Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. Welcome everybody to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast, Waterfowl Wednesday. We are joined by special Canadian guest, Nick A. Johnson. A. Oh, you know what? You should change your name to Nick A. E.H. Johnson, while you're up there. I should, shouldn't I? Yeah, that would be a good idea. <laughs> Just call me Nick A. Nick Johnson. A. I've been hearing a lot. I have been hearing a lot of A's since I got up here. Eh? Yeah, it's a thing, eh? It's definitely a thing. So, uh, walk us through it. How is it? Uh, you know, it's pretty tough to find birds. Um, there's not a lot around. Um, you know, no reason for anybody to lies and your service up there sucks apparently <laughs> what's that i said your service up there sucks apparently why do you say that because you're cutting out god damn it <laughs> god damn it this is am i this is nick's favorite thing well you, you weren't there but when you're going on your thing about not finding birds or, or the bullshit meter was clipping in i'm not sure because... yeah the bullshit meter is very high on that there's some yes. birds up in saskatchewan i don't know if you've ever heard that before Maybe it's news that I'm giving the world. I've heard um, you got excited on your Snapchat when you're like, well, we lost some birds. I was like, yes, bring them this way. I mean, lost, I mean, they just went to a different place. Oh, they didn't actually migrate out of there. I mean, they migrated to some place, right? <laughs> what's the <laughs> definition true. of my, what's the my, definition of migrated? Like, does I there have s- to be a distance or a direction <sighs> associated with it? Because I actually did want to talk about this specific topic on our waterfowl Wednesday today because 
Um, well, tomorrow is going to be goose opener for most people. And a lot of people in the last couple of days, I'm sure, have gone to check their opening day field and discovered that the birds are no longer there. It happens every year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that people usually uh, post in quite distressed emotions about it on social media. But it is, it's a very normal and natural it's a normal and natural part of a migratory bird's cycling of using food sources and using different areas. I mean, and part of the mystery of right. trying to hunt a migratory bird. And uh, that that field that I was looking at was our, our best choice to hunt uh, for tomorrow. And that was two days ago. And then last night I went to check on it. And this pond, there's this little like bathtub pond, you know, sheet water, basically a little um, tiny little hole in this field. When I first uh, looked at the field, like there was probably like 1,500, 2,000 mallards on it. Like you could walk around it. Like this field, like basically you could see the beehive from like a mile away as you were approaching it, you know? Nice. So like there's birds circling it, ducks, geese. And uh, and then I went to look at it yesterday and there really wasn't anything on it. Well, yeah, there was really almost nothing maybe a a handful of geese the the ducks that were in that pond were gone and there was some geese in the pond instead and when we drove up they just flew away and left Hmm. yeah and so it's you know it's not hunting season and nobody's scaring them away i think some people you know everybody seems to try to associate a cause and a reason for birds moving out of an area but I mean, that that's just what birds do, right? Well, we all know it's the early teal hunters, for sure. It's the early teal season that has ruined my Saskatchewan opening yeah. day. Maybe it's the... <laughs> 100%. Maybe somebody went fishing down on their roost. That's and it. scared them all yep, out with that's their what it is. outboard motors. Jet skiers. Those, those man, might be a fucking jet skier. Yep, 100%, especially on those ponds in the middle of nowhere. 100% jet <laughs> Um But I am at, um, I'm at Prairie Limits Outfitters Lodge. Um, and if anybody wants to check that out, it's prairielimitsoutfitters.com or Google search for Prairie Limits Outfitters. Uh, it's quite an operation, dude. Like, fresh it's bread super, daily. Super, super fresh bread every single day. I just actually feel, I feel like guilty right now because I just, did a shameful thing to a cinnamon roll. <laughs> I put it in the microwave for a little bit. Ooh, it was that's a, way even though it didn't even need it. it, it was like fresh like an hour ago. And still, I put it in the nice, microwave. Yeah, but it's still nice to have them warm. And then I had to eat it in private, and then I had to thoroughly wash when I was done. I mean, it was <laughs> it, it was sexual. I'm not proud of it, but yet also not ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> um, no regrets. Anyways, what were we talking? Now I, all I can think about is Miss Tilly's bread. <laughs> That's awesome. Miss Tilly's muffin. Mm-hmm. Oh God! This oh is getting Jesus! Worse. That just yeah, I shouldn't have went that way. I did uh, have so a pumpkin does, muffin today. When does the uh, season start up there? Is it the first? Uh, ducks, geese, cranes all start September first. Nice. Yep. Good so luck we are, sleeping the night. Yeah, I know. I'm already kind of excited. I went to take a nap. We've been busting our ass since I got here, man. Three days ago, we uh, put together 45 dozen full bodies, uh, put them up Jesus. into three different trailers, 15 dozen per trailer. 
Then we took over 600 DSD snows to the car wash, washed 600 snows. And we uh, removed old stubble and restubbled nine A-frames. Oh, are you hunting out of A-frames? Yeah, we're going to hunt out of (laughs) A-frames. I'm so excited for you hunting out of an (laughs) A-frame. Oh, dude, I'm so <laughs> dreading it. <laughs> After all the shade you've been talking about. Dude, I'm sure it'll be just fine hunting out of A-frames. The only negative thing is we're going to shoot less birds. Uh, the birds we do shoot will be farther away and flaring, and, um, you know, people's guns will tip over, so that'll be cool. That that will and, inevitably um, happen. Then somebody uh, is in the middle is going to have to take a pee. So then all of us are going to have to get out of his way so he can get out the end of the A-frame. And then uh, and he's going to tip over somebody's gun. Tell everybody to bring empty Gatorade bottles. And just fill them up. That's Nobody's not a bad out. idea. Nobody's getting out. Once this door closes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't make your uh, Snow Goose clients pee in Gatorade <laughs> bottles in your A-frame, did you? No, I just that's let a... them go out. It's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> Dude, it's a, it's a big deal. It's really, it's really not. Uh, that's gonna be fun. So I'll, I'll, that, that'll be something to talk about in the future. Your experience with A-frames. So, and how yeah. long are you up there for? I'm gonna be here for eight weeks, man. I'm gonna Damn be hunting God. all of September and all of October up here. Holy smokes! Did you bring your podcast up, or is this gonna be like crappy audio the whole time? I brought my podcast stuff. Nice. All right. Cool. I did. Sweet. I don't have it on me right now. I'm out scouting. I'm just kind of getting settled in, you know. Yep. No, I hear you. Um, and we still got to figure out why the hell I can't upload to the Google Drive. But yeah, that's. I have no idea. Somebody wants to uh, message Nick and troubleshoot his way through that because I'm going to be of no help. I'm still trying to recover. I've got my computer open right now. Uh, I'm just still trying to recover my Facebook account after being hacked. You and, got hacked? Yeah. I got hacked. Somebody somebody posted some uh, some not great images and instantly got my page shut down. It was crazy how you fast bust. it. It's crazy how fast it happened. I was outside pulling weeds. I get an alert on my phone, uh, an email message saying, um, "Your password has been changed. If this wasn't you, click here." I'm like, "Well, it for sure wasn't me." I clicked here. It brought me to my account security. I changed my password. Went back into Facebook already locked out oh really yeah that fast like in a minute minute and a half tops and what did they post uh apparently some pornography of some sort why would somebody hack your account this is what i don't understand about it but so in researching it this is so waterfall wednesday material um and in researching it i'm like (laughs) trying to get my account back I, this is the thing. People hack your account and then they post some sort of like super crazy, like not good porn. And then, um, then they, and your account just gets shut down. And I'm like, I don't, that's what I've been wrestling with. It's like, what is their motivation? Because like, I would, I would get it if you're like trying to use Facebook to get to my financials or something like that. Like that makes sense to me. You know, if I'm, if my account's linked to my Facebook or something like that makes sense to me. But when this is what they do, they hack into your account, they post something that goes against the guidelines and then the account gets shut down. I don't understand the motivation. I guess it's just because they can. I think it's just, it's like, um, 
I don't know, spray painting a bridge, I guess. I mean, it's just like because they can. I don't know. It's That's the, awesome. It's the I wish thing. I knew how to do that. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be doing it to everybody while I'm out scouting. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm dealing with that. So, anyways. Um, back to um, back to birds moving shortly yeah. before the season. So, yeah. So, fortunately for me, <laughs> if I can get on this field that I'm trying to get on, um, I know the farmer, and he's – said he's going to talk to the landowner and i'm familiar with the landowner at least the last name of um hopefully i get permission for this they i think they just finished cutting it today and it's a small green field so that would be good timing as far as you know is there any having birds a feed there well they just finished cutting it today so i don't know hopefully the new one you know hopefully they've they've been in one that's been cut that somebody else is watching and has permission on and then their birds left <laughs> I'm hoping to, <laughs> I'm hoping to capitalize on that scenario but be on the other side of it for once where all of a sudden my birds show up cuz now they're going to have a couple per- days to find it. So you got permission on a field in tan- in anticipation for birds to leave their other fields and come to the fresh cut one. And come to yours on opening morning. Mhm. I like it. <laughs> so, somebody was messaging me today. Somebody was messaging me today too, and it was like, um, you know, I had 120, and they 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 were telling me about this happening. Like I had 120, then I had 30, and then um, they said, you know, it was cloudy when there's 130. Is it sunny? It was sunny when there was 20, and is it will the weather change? How many birds come to a field? Which obviously I don't. I don't have enough information to help that guy out with that problem. You know, like, right. you know, it's, the most I know is that there was 120. Now there's 20. What does that mean? Have they moved on? But what does the guy do about it either? You know, like, um, what are you going to do now? Just not hunt your feet. Of exactly. course you got to go out yeah. there. And, you got to go out there and know, manage your expectations. You that, know, like if you, you got just uh, expectation management is a really big part of being a, happy waterfall hunter yeah, that's exactly right i was i was gonna say the same thing it's like sure that's your plan stick to your plan but have in the back of your mind like it's just not gonna be a shock if this doesn't work out like if your birds don't show up you're gonna be like well i knew this was a possibility instead of just going i don't know what happened what they, they right. should have been here it's like well there is no right. shoulda coulda in this game like you're you can hedge your bets the best you can but ultimately it's up to the geese Right. I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, seeing birds in a spot at a time is a good indication that they might return. So I'm looking at the forecast, and the thing that's getting me excited for Saturday is it's 89 degrees on Friday and 73 degrees on Saturday. So I think. North, northeast at 10 miles an hour. I think you're getting a, maybe a little too excited. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it was it was it last year or two there was no, a there was a year where like opening be, weekend there was a really good migration. It was Labor push. Day Monday. It was Labor Day yes, Monday. Yes. And like and it was a really me. Yeah. Man, can we talk about that? Sure, because it was great. You know what we should do. <laughs> we should have not made this podcast with this terrible <laughs> audio. And we should have just rebroadcast that there you go. episode from two years ago because it was like literally the best case scenario of uh, opening weekend migrator day. Like, I don't know how often that happens, but it's not very. Nope. Well, and that's what I'm, I think, that's what I I'm think seeing when we here. Talk too, 
We were so happy. Like, dude, every, yeah, just, that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. And that was just the whole podcast. Pretty much. Like, us, like <laughs> tell me about your migrator flocks. And right. you're like, they did it dirty. Tell me about yours. I'm like, so dirty. How many bands did you kill? Yeah. It was that was exact, and everybody. You go on social media, and everybody was smoking them that day. Like it didn't matter. Oh, it didn't yeah. matter. You know all the tips and tricks that we try to give, and how you plan out. It seems like if you were in a field and you had decoys out, you shot birds. It's like it was just, it's, it was great. And there's something kind of interesting. Um, there's some snow geese here already. I was going to ask you that. There is snows, and then uh, somebody found a field that had like 40 specks in it today too, or yesterday. That's pretty cool. And all the snow geese that I've seen are adults. Hmm. Which makes me think maybe, well, I'm just jumping to conclusions. Maybe they got avian influenza and then they healed. All right. I feel like that's a big leap. Or they're failing. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I was joking. I was joking. I was totally (laughs) joking about that. (laughs) I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. Uh, yeah, mm, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. No, can't, a bunch can't of say avian it's influenza not. birds. <laughs> a bunch of avian influenza birds. They sat here. They healed in the alkali waters of Saskatchewan, and now they're better. And healed in the elk. That's six hundred percent what happened. You should write an article. The elk, the healing alkali waters of Canada, and avian influenza <sighs> in wildfire. <laughs> <laughs> and see no, if you here, can get here. that published in a, in a scientific journal. <laughs> Here's here's one for real observation I've made about all the snow geese that I've seen. They all appear to be adults. Or they're not juvies. Let's put it that sure. way, right? Failed they're nesters, all white maybe? Bird. What's that? Failed nesters, maybe? I'm thinking, like, well, failed nesters or birds that don't nest, you know? Like, younger birds, like sure. the one- to two-year-old snow geese that just, they went up north, they molted, and then they're like, Let's get the fuck away from all these kids. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe never found a mate, or who knows? Could be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they definitely. I mean, there's not many of them, but there's a. I think I saw six here, three here, and eight there. So hmm. I mean, just a, a handful sure. of them. Just a smattering about. A smattering, just a, a gentle smattering. <laughs> with with warm, melted caramel from a roll. Um, oh god! <laughs> oh god! So, what's your opening day strategy? What, uh, what, like, how many decoys are you running? What's, what's the deal? Well, I'm probably gonna run. I'm probably gonna run six to ten dozen full bodies because uh, the field I'm hunting and and two spinners because the field I'm hunting is a combo field and it's got like four to five hundred geese on it. Be doing the and the spinner and the, the spinner dance, and then uh, a couple of and it's got a bunch of ducks using it too. Ducks, turn on the spinners. Geese, turn them off. Ducks, turn them on. Geese, turn them off. We have remotes. <laughs> and then when you get the first group that doesn't do it, even though the wings aren't spinning, and then your buddies are going to make you run and pull them down. That's been my experience. Ah, I mean, eh, no, I don't know. I'm I'm sure it'll be a good hunt. I'm actually sitting at the field right now, just watching it, waiting for birds to start flying but it's a it's like 90 degrees here jesus i mean it was i don't know what the canadians call it they they call it like 30 or something weird they say (laughs) yeah you do you want me to tell you how you can quickly do that math to convert it to american and real degrees 
super I'm easy. I'm going to say yes. It's actually really easy. You're going to double it and add 30. Double it and add 30? That's it. So if it's 30 degrees Celsius, you're going to double it 60, add 30, it's 90 degrees. Okay. And that's going to get you within That's going to get you within a couple degrees, depending. So if it's 10 Celsius, double it 20. It's 50, it's 50. It's 50 degrees. All right. Yep. I learned that from Bob and Doug McKenzie. Well, you know what? We officially have made this podcast educational. <laughs> it was accidental, but hey, if you learn something, <laughs> <laughs> so be it. But now, again, I'm going to return back to our original topic of what do you constitute migrating versus just moving? Like, I feel to be a legit migration, you're making, the, the birds are making a move based on, it's a seasonal move, like to a preferred climate or steps in that direction. I feel like if they do like a lateral move, it's probably more of a food thing, food yeah, or pressure. Like, we don't need to go, we still like this climate, but we're going to search for food amongst this climate. Right. Not headed because, to my wintering grounds quite yet, but... And, and even like smaller movements north and south, I think you could consider in that lateral movement, like when they're not moving out of a climate area, right. like where they're getting these regular low and high temps that are in the range that they prefer. Sure. If all of a sudden like the range of like high temps is lower than the range that that particular flock of birds prefers, they will begin moving south or, or do it very quickly. Yeah, or perhaps calendar or or they just wait until the right weather conditions. I mean, who knows? I mean, that's, you know, when we're looking for a, a traditional stereotypical molt migrator day. And I know we you've talked about this before where it doesn't always have to be, you know, that 10 to 15 northwest wind, but it does seem to kind of work out that way. Maybe maybe they migrate on other weather, but when it's like that, you get a higher percentage of birds that want to make that move. So they could maybe just be staging in areas and then like when the conditions are right, they're like, "Well, let's make a move." Right. Yep. That seem, you know, so can I feel like calendar and weather can dictate that and then more like food movements are probably can be in any direction, but they're probably not going to make a 60-mile move to find new food. Right. You know what else I think is interesting, too, when talking about, like, molt migrators? A molt migrator coming, let's just say a large Canada goose that's going to winter in Iowa or Missouri, by the time it gets to, like, central Minnesota, it's, like, 80% done with its migration. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, like, a goose showing up on a September molt day, like September 10th or September 15th, has completed 80% or more of its annual migration. And then I think you'll, you're going to see a lot of those lateral movements. You know, once it gets down to, like, a lot of times molt migrators go to their natal birthplaces, right? Like, kind of around the town that they were born. But once they get there, what do they do? They probably move around a little north, a little south, a little east, a little west, go find the food. But, I mean, for the most part, they're only going to have to make, like, one more little jump to finish out their winter. Right. Yeah, because I mean, Minnesota, crazy to think about. the Twin Cities or Rochester, you know, some of those places could be their final place. Like they're going to winter there right. if they have open water. And then, of course, if that gets winter gets too cold, then maybe they make another quick jump down to Des Moines or something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It does seem like 
when we talk molts and those molt migrators, it does seem like you only really get that from, would you say, like the northern part of the Twin Cities? Like that's kind of like they move to there? Because I don't really ever hear of anybody in Owatonna hunting molt migrators. Oh, they just certainly could. I mean, it just depends on where um, birds were like born. Sure. I'm just, this total anecdotal, just going off people I know who hunt in the south, they don't seem to get excited or hunt these molt days unless they come up here. And I say up here because right. I'm, I'm north of the cities right now. Well, a lot of people just are do not hunt molts. I feel like it's gotten pretty popular the last couple of years as it's, as we get to know more about it. That's true. Because, I mean, but, there was no such thing as molt migrators when I was, and I mean, obviously there were, but we didn't know anything about them when I, like, first started hunting these birds like however 20 years ago whatever it was like yeah they just you were just hunting and all of a sudden you'd get birds that would show up you know like nobody really thought much about it definitely didn't or like go out and plan for the it. actual like yeah nobody would attempt to hunt the migration event like once birds <laughs> showed up great then find where they're roosting right. find where they're feeding and try to set up on the feed or good, the traffic right good luck finding buddies willing to set up in a field that has never had geese in it <laughs> in hopes that they're going to, that they'll show up the next day 20 years ago that some they would be like i'm not doing that you can fuck all the way off like and nobody that, would do it i think once resident canada goose numbers started getting so high that the molt migration actually started to become more noticeable is when people started doing it that could be you th- because there was always birds molt migrating, but I mean, like when the population was much lower thirty years ago, the amount of geese you would see molt migrating would be substantially less. So there would be no reason to go hunt for molt, molt migrators because there's just so few of them now. With the exploding goose populations, we're seeing the same thing that has been happening, but we're seeing to a to a to a level to which you can go hunt and be hunt very very successfully. I think band reports have something to do with it too. Again, anecdotally for me, I remember getting our first few bands, you know, uh, 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was, and we were getting these weird, you know, for us at the time it was like weird. It's like, how come we're shooting birds that were banded in Illinois and Indiana? What is this? Why are we getting a bird that's banded in Wisconsin in September? You're like, what is going on here? Like, it was right. it was weird. And so I think as those reports started getting released and people just, you know, more and more anecdotal evidence just hunting buddies talking to hunting buddies and then you actually started getting some of these papers coming out and starting talking about it and i think the scientists didn't even know really about molt migrators till they started getting the data no that yeah you're absolutely right and have we talked about this on the podcast there is a uh they found their first molt migrating swan this year no i don't think so we didn't me- we didn't mention that on the podcast oh, you, you know how they have, got that might have touched on it but Okay, well, I mean, if you haven't heard it, then you haven't heard it. But, I mean, they, they have all these GPS transmitters on all these swans right now. And they are just starting to get, well, they just saw one make their first molt migration. I think it went from, I can't remember if it was a Minnesota or a Michigan bird, but it went to the Great Slave Lake. Hmm. That's kind of crazy, huh? kind of makes sense. If, if we're going off of when the, when the Canada goose population got so big that they started making these jumps maybe they always did but it was just in smaller numbers well the the trumpeter swan population is huge right now i mean they're you you are hard pressed to drive anywhere in this state 
in a pond that's holding water and not see a pair of swans. Yeah, like, dude. Like, I can't remember. The Minnesota just came out with their like uh, their numbers, but I can't remember what it was. But it's a lot. It's pretty crazy when thinking when they first started the recovery project. What they wanted was sixty breeding pairs. <laughs> yeah. that, that was that, that was their goal, and we now that have can't... like forty thousand adults and thirty thousand signets or something like that. It's like we're we're getting up towards a hundred thousand swans. Yeah, isn't that wild? It's bonkers, dude. Like it's like I think you can safely say they have recovered. <laughs> here's what I'm really here's what I've about when it comes to the swan population here. Okay, so swans are extremely territorial. Now there's not enough of them yet to where they start pushing out are let's call them native breeding species of waterfowl mm-hmm. like blue winged teal, wood ducks, mallards, and Canada geese. But I mean, with the direction that this is going, like, could there ever be a time where there a problem? Um, state of state officials are starting to say, "Hey, we've got a real problem with these asshole swans trying to murder <laughs> all our other ducks and geese that are trying to breed in this state. Well, like, it, we can't have just only swans. I think it could happen. I mean... I do, too. I think the, I think the, the talk is definitely out there of getting a swan season. I don't know. I, I've been... Uh, Steve Kortz and I have been passing ships in the night trying to find a time that works right to, to have a podcast. Because um, I do want to ask him about that if we're any closer to having a, a swan hunt. Um, but it definitely could they happen. They might have to... They might have to like actually go like pump the brakes on their on their swan program and be like, okay, okay, uh, yeah, we wanted some swans, but they're killing everything. Yeah, like they're ki- they're killing the blue wings, they're killing the seagulls, they're killing you know the pelicans. Sure, I mean it could. Wait, 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 definitely... wait, 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 wait. I just brought up a good point. Who wins, trumpeter swan versus pelican? Uh, man, and I'm gonna say pelican. I think you're. I think a pelican might. I think. I mean, it, yeah. I think you I've might seen, be right. I've seen videos of a pelican eat a, a live pigeon. So I've seen they, that too. I think they're more murderous than, than the swans. The that swans seem to like, you know, chase off other birds. I think the pelican is just more inclined. Like you fit in my mouth, so I'm going to eat you. I have seen swans, like videos of swans trying to murder some. Okay, if anybody is listening to this, please go on YouTube and look up Pelican versus Swan and tell us who wins. <laughs> I want to see the cage match. They're pretty, pretty similar in size. I think the the Swan definitely has been bought in in weight for sure. I guess I shouldn't say for sure, but they sure seem like they're heavier bodied because the Pelicans all head. All right, I found I've, I found like three dead Pelicans now in my life, and once you get up to them, they're like they look big, but you're like. They're really when you get close to them, like they're really not. And having held they're all wings. And having held a dead swan before, they're big. <laughs> like they're big all over. Like they're just this right. giant bird. So uh, th- that would be. I mean, I don't know. It'd be interesting. I wonder if if it would really affect, um, like honker reproduction and honker numbers because I feel they have similar nesting habits and areas. I mean, I have seen like. I've seen mallards and even teal swimming around swans. It seems like they tolerate each other decent, but I can't say I've seen too many honkers and swans hanging out together. Right. So they might. Well, end hey, up dude, I, uh, I don't mean to cut us short, but oh, my birds are bitch. starting to fly. 
They're starting to fly all over the place. All right, dude. Well, let's try to plan a little better for next week. Um, do it in studio, if you will, um, with your equipment. Yeah. We'll see what happens. And then come on hopefully up. we come have up. some come on awesome – oh, dude, I'd love to come up, but that'd be Let's do one crazy. in person. Oh, dude, that'd be, that would be so wicked. But also not going to happen. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just being honest. There's zero way my schedule and or bank account is going to allow for that. So – um, all right, buddy. Right, do well, watch yeah. your birds, and uh, we will catch up next week. And for everybody listening, I hope you guys have a really good uh, opening day. Uh, it's awesome that hunting season is back upon us. I look forward to talking to everybody about hunting season and seeing your pictures. Uh, remember to be out, be safe out there. If you want less cripples, shoot boss ammunition. If you want to decoy more birds, blow Nick Johnson's signature series. If you want need to get better at blowing your goose call, buy the Goose Tech app. And uh, obviously, keep listening to the Waterfall Wednesday podcast. Beautiful. Later, dude. Later, dude. Bye.